1: Terms and conditions apply. This is my guys in the desert with Stormy Bon and Tony on V Sin, the Sports betting Network.
2: What's going on everybody? Welcome into My Guys in the Desert on a Tuesday. Stormy Bon and Tony with you live from Las Vegas at v Studio at Circus Sportsbook and it's Tuesday, so you know we're going to have some scorching hot fire takes for Hot Take Tuesday a little bit later. We've also got some fire-hot, scorching guests today that I'm super excited about. Ariel Epstein of Yahoo Sportsbooks is going to drop by, as well as Johnny Avello of DraftKings. Give us the book's perspective. And v Adam Kramer taught all things college football. We've got college football, college basketball, NBA, NFL. We've got it all on My Guys in the Desert today. So let's dive right in to the top five things you need to know. Stories that impact us as veterans. Starting with just Monday night football, last night, Steelers hosting the Bears went straight up 29-27, remain a perfect 19-0 on Monday night football, Bears do cover the seven, total goes over the 40, and a heartbreaker for the Bears, tried to hit a 65-yarder to win it, but way short, also a heartbreaker for my bets, by the way, had the under, also Najee Harris rush yards didn't pan out, but I joined the Bears plus points party, thankfully, at least before kickoff. Gago had the three quarters but ended up putting up 21 in the fourth quarter to make it Steelers now by the way 0-8 against the spreads their last eight games as favorites and i hate when officiating is part of the story but how brutal was that last night 12 penalties on the bears alone for 151 yards and the one everybody's talking about of course cassius marsh elevated from the practice squad has a critical third down sack on big ben could change the dynamic of the game at that point and he's called for a taunting penalty when all he did was look at the bench i don't know gets hit checked by the referee though regardless gave the steelers a new life pittsburgh wins but their odds remain plus 550 to win the afc north up next for the steelers eight point favorites against the lions bears are on a bye moving on espn's adam Schefter reported this morning browns running backs nick chubb and demetrik felton both tested positive for covid 19. both backs are vaccinated so they're not immediately ruled out for cleveland's game this week against new england browns are short road dogs getting one and a half total 45 and a half and um like i said since each player is vaccinated they can test out they have two negative tests 24 hours apart they would be available but as of right now we're not too sure. Chubb is fresh off powering the Browns to an important division win against the Bengals, had 137 yards and two touchdowns. And now because of this, Kareem Hunt still on injured reserve with a calf issue. Dearness Johnson, currently the lone back available for the Browns. So we'll see what shifting that the Browns go ahead and do. Again, line one and a half at the Patriots. More updates though on the COVID-19 front. Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers said on the Pat McAfee show earlier this morning there's a small possibility that he won't play in the week 10 game against the Seahawks saying a quote health hurdle may be hard for him to overcome in time for Sunday's game. He also said he has to be tested to see how his heart responds to heavy work. He's been doing some walking and yoga while away. Uh, Rodgers did miss this past Sunday's Thriller, which, of course, I say that just against the Chiefs. Jordan Love, poor guy, had a rough outing there until the fourth quarter. Packers, three-and-a-half-point favorites, total 49 against Seattle. And Danger Russell Wilson looks to be getting back in the fold this week for his first game back since having finger surgery on his throwing hand. Wilson's been out the last month. Dolphins head coach Brian Flores says by Bailoa's day to day in a game time decision for their game. Week 10 against the Ravens Thursday night. Tua was active this past week, but didn't play for the Dolphins in their win against the Texans. Dolphins getting seven and a half at home against Baltimore this week. Total there, 46 and a half. Moving on, last but not least, number five on our list, Jets head coach Robert Solace and Zach Wilson who's recovering from a strained PCL injury. Won't return to the starting lineup until he's, quote, fully healthy. Just expect to get Wilson back on the practice field this week, first time since week seven. But rookie quarterback's going to have to prove, like I said, fully healthy in order to play against the Bills. Until then, Mike White appears to be headed for another start. Sala said, we'll see how it looks. We're not in any hurry to rush him back because the fact is that it was a two- to four-week injury. He's going into week three. There's a couple hurdles he hasn't passed yet yet getting 13 hosting the bills total 47 and a half this coming week and guys i don't know if you know this but you better college basketball is officially back today and this is something that coaches players betters fans of the sport like we all really deserve this and i'm so excited for it because last year's covid impacted season was not the business you know it was no fun seeing these arenas we're used to seeing packed with people and i know it's obviously for health concerns and it had to be done but great right now that we're going to have packed arenas we're going to have home court advantage and crowds getting on top of you making it so fun and you know last year there wasn't a true non-conference season either so we're getting back to the norm of college basketball and i'm really really excited especially for those of you that have just been all in on football right now. I'm going to get you caught up real quick with just a recap of what you need to know going into this college basketball season if you've been out of the loop. First of all, Baylor is the reigning national champion, beat Gonzaga in the title game, but Gonzaga National Player of the Year candidate drew Timmy back after falling with a vengeance. Mike Krzyzewski winning his coach in college basketball history. He's looking to go out a winner. This will be his last season as the Duke head coach, 42 years at Duke. There are also new coaches at North Carolina and Texas and the return of a championship or bust expectation no question for ucla 12 to 1 odds to win it all kentucky they've reloaded their team after losing they're having a losing season rather for the first time in 32 years and memphis yes i said memphis might be the most interesting team of all star-studded coaching staff loaded roster elite nba draft prospects imani bates and jalen duran gonna be fun to watch so let's get in to some of the national championship odds and we'll dive in deeper to some of the long shots i particularly like later on in the show we're going to do a little like love hate of where i see things potentially panning out some fun teams to get in on but just let's throw it up on the screen get get you an idea of where things sit right now gonzaga the favorite at plus 650 they're 62 and three the last two years okay just crushing wcc opponents getting big non-conference wins Played in two of the last four championship games, but haven't won at all. And they certainly have the pieces to cut down the nets. The championship this year, by the way, in New Orleans, April 4th, Um, Purdue up there, 16 to one. Interesting. This might be Matt Painter's best team, but on the top of the board, Gonzaga, Michigan, UCLA, Villanova, Texas, Um, Memphis, as I already mentioned, interesting Bates. Decommitted from Michigan State, ended up going to Michigan. But, you know, you see all the usual suspects. Michigan, Kansas, Duke. Tennessee has some intrigue. Illinois over there at 20-1. to Arkansas even. I don't know how you guys feel. I'm a massive Eric Musselman backer. Love that guy. Um, Also, National Player of the Year odds can be pretty interesting this time of year. We mentioned Gonzaga being the big favorite. Well, they've also got the big favorite for the Wooden Award this year with Drew Timmy. He's plus 450, I believe. Yep, as we see it there on the screen. He averaged 19 points per game, seven boards last year. Favorite to win in this market. has done pretty well historically. So barring injury, you'd expect him to be at least on that final four players listed. March Zags, like I said, are just going to cruise through conference play. Uh, Travion Williams for Purdue. He's jumped all the way up from 20 to 1. An interesting guy there. Um, Paolo Banchero of Duke, 10 to 1. He's a super freshman. It is harder for freshmen to win it because votes are more inclined to go to an older player like Drew Timmy, as I mentioned. Uh, Kofi Cockburn at 12 to 1 for Illinois. Um, Chet Holmgren, also of Gonzaga. So it's, you know, you got two players up there in the top, what, 12? He's at 20 to one. I've seen him as high as 12 to one at some books. Another stellar freshman labeled top prospect for 2021 by a number of publications, seven foot one, but some big names on here just to take note of for the wooden award. And there are 100 games tipping off today. So a lot of opportunity to get into the betting market, no question, but there are some that rise to the top. And you know we're going to talk about them. Two games stand out above the rest in the Champions Classic at Madison Square Garden. All the names that you recognize. Michigan State taking on Kansas. Duke taking on Kentucky. So uh, let's start with this Kansas-Michigan State game. The number three Jayhawks favored by four and a half against Michigan State. And and Jayhawks returned four of five starters from last year's team that, for as good as they were, got upset in the second round of the big dances a three seed. But they've bolstered their lineup added super senior guard, Pac-12 scoring leader, Remy Martin, uh, coming over from ASU through the transfer portal. He averaged 19.1 points per game, four assists and three rebounds per game. Tom Izzo's Michigan State team, unranked to start the year for the first time since 2012 after falling out of the first four last year, losing their leading scorer, Cassius Winston. There is some upside to this team. I like Northeastern transfer, Tyson Walker. I like Hauser. Rest of the team, though, is incoming freshmen. And at least for tonight, I don't see them being able to stack up at all with Kansas. Personally, we'll talk plenty more about Kansas later because I still have some questions about them in the long term due to their NCAA investigation. But, um, yeah, I like the Jayhawks here. Minus, I'd lay the four and a half if you could get four anywhere. I think that's worthwhile. Total in this one, 141 and a half. Uh, Moving on to Duke and Kentucky. Number nine versus number 10, the Blue Bloods battle. I like Kentucky in this one, um, but overall in this game, a combined five five star recruits from the 2021 class, including Banchero, who we mentioned, who's already generating conference buzz for player of the year, one of the early favorites to be a top pick in next year's NBA draft. But I'm even contemplating Kentucky on the money line here, plus 140. They only have one returning starter in Keon Brooks, who led the team in boards last year, but they signed highly touted freshman Ty Ty Washington. Really experienced backcourt that's transferred in. Wheeler from Georgia, um, Severe Wheeler is his name, a huge get for them. Kellen Grady from Davidson. So it's not your typical, like, young, one-and-done freshman UK roster, but I like them a lot. Other big games of note this week. Number four, Villanova taking on number two, UCLA Friday, and number five, Texas taking on the Zags on Saturday. And hey, remember to get you caught up on everything. If you want to be in tune this college basketball season, you can start this week by getting your annual betting guide for 10 bucks. This year's guide has everything you need to bet on the games all season long at vcin.com slash subscribe. Sign up today Get your copy. Only $9.99. Stay with us here on My Guys in the Desert. Ariel Epstein coming up next.
1: You're listening to My Guys in the Desert with Stormy
2: Tony on v the sports betting network. Welcome back here to My Guys in the Desert. This segment brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. So no more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, no batteries to charge, leaky equipment to deal with. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like Spearmint, Wintergreen Citrus, plenty more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths. You can easily find the satisfaction level. It's perfect for you. Zinn is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's available in over a hundred thousand locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your in So head on over, Zinn.com slash find to locate a steer- store near you. That's ZYN slash find. Warning this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Back here on My Guys in the Desert is Tuesday. So you know how we do Hot Take Tuesday. My producer, Stephanie Kamraschak, gives me a couple statements. We determine how hot the take is, starting with the Jaguars will go over their posted win total of four and a half. I'd say that's like medium hot. It's like medium buffalo wings. It stings the nostrils a little bit. They already have two more wins than I thought they were going to get this season if we're honest, especially given just like the way that their drama was early on. So why not? You know, you still play Houston. The Jets always potential wins if you need one more. 49ers are soft. We all know that. Yeah, Atlanta's hit or miss. I could see it. Yeah, I could see it. Preseason win total was six and a half. I don't see that happening no more. Next one on here, Kansas City finishes the year sub 500. Their updated win total is 10 and a half. Okay, this is like this is also getting hot. I'll say this is hot. It's like a hot tub that makes you a little bit uncomfortable when you first get in, but you stay in anyways like because it's it's possible. Um, you push through. Anyways, they're 5-4 and four right now, eight games still to play. Last time they were sub-500 was 2012, the year before Andy Reid was hired. But, I mean, you look at their play and their remaining schedule, I could see them winning or losing literally any game on it. Vegas twice, Dallas, Chargers, Steelers, Bangor, Bengals, Denver twice. Yeah, it's a hot take. I'll give it to you. Okay, last one here. No team picks up Odell Beckham Jr. off waivers or free agency. He did clear waivers, not really a big surprise, but free agency. I think that's hot. That's scorching because I mean, of course you're going to want this guy, but I don't. Like I love this take because I vote no on OBJ. This is this is hot because it's like Vegas in July. You don't want to be on the blacktop kind of hot. But like OBJ's injury prone. He's not that great. He's not worth the headache, especially you saw the Schefter report, all the drama that he would start if the wrong team picks him up. Not a fan. Who I am a fan of, though, Ariel Epstein, as we bring her in here, host and betting analyst for Yahoo Sportsbook. Let's see the tan, girl. I know you're fresh from Aruba. What you got?
3: It's not that tan. Here's the thing. (laughs) We work in sports, Stormy. I am not a cosmetologist. I don't like doing my hair i have the same makeup from pre-aruba i'm tanner when i'm without makeup because the makeup i'm wearing right now is pre-aruba makeup i just don't know how to do it differently that's great i feel you but yeah we have to be tan
2: on tv right so we just get the color that's a little bit darker i was laughing at your twitter last night by the way during monday night football because i don't you were just telling everybody what we all were thinking about the officiating go home refs all caps but you also put up a poll Steelers, Cowboys, or Tom Brady, who gets more calls? So I got to know, like, what were the results of the poll? How were your bets last night? But yeah, go home, refs. We're not fans.
3: Go home, refs. It was way too much talking that they were doing yesterday. When it comes to refs, they take this out of Tom Brady. The poll indicated that. People <laughs> said it's not even close. People said that the stats actually tell you the Cowboys don't get as many calls as you would think. The Steelers do. As a team, I guess the Steelers take the cake. As a player, Tom Brady takes the cake, and it looks like everyone believes Tom Brady is the person to go to for the referees. I can't blame them. I would take this out of the public, too. That's a
2: classic. Yeah, a rough one for the Bears. 12 penalties, 151 yards. No fun league. That's what they're calling it. But we do want to have some fun. Thursday night football coming up later this week. Ravens-Dolphins. Ravens more than a touchdown favorite on the road in Miami. Just any
3: thoughts on the Thursday night matchup? I do really like the over for 231 and a half passing yards on the Ravens quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Lamar isn't really known as a passing quarterback, he's known as more of the mobile guy. However, Lamar Jackson has gone over this number in all but one game this year. In fact, the last time that Jackson faced a bottom 10 passing defense, it was against the Indianapolis Colts. He ended up throwing for over 400 passing yards. This is just the second defense that Lamar Jackson's faced that's bottom 10 against the pass. I'm excited to watch Lamar try to get this passing game right. It's been really tough for him the last few weeks. His offensive line's brutal. He doesn't have enough time. Lamar Jackson, get get it right this week in the passing game. Go over that 231.5 passing yards. It's something that you're used to doing. And I don't think the public really knows about it yet. So let's take advantage of a low number.
2: Yeah, and I know that the last couple of weeks, like you said, have been tough. But throughout the course of the season, he's been super effective through the air. So I just don't understand why he's not getting enough respect, like you said, as he should. He is more of a passer than I think people give him credit for. But hey, well I know we can always catch you on Yahoo Sportsbook these days, I know congrats are in order because you can also be found on NBA Bet on NBA TV now. So let's talk a little bit of hoops. Three games on the slate tonight. Let's start with this Bucks 76ers game. Bucks laying six and a half, total 218. I know the Sixers lost to the Knicks. 103-96 yesterday, a lot of COVID-19 issues, including Joel Embiid. But anything intrigue
3: you here? The under intrigues me in this game. Looking at these teams, they've both been really profitable to the under. Both teams are 5-15 over-under, 2-11 and over-under over in the last two weeks. You look to the 76ers at home, 1-6 over-under. So six of their seven games have gone under, while the Bucks in the last two weeks, 0-6 oh, over-under. I mean, come on, the trend here is basically telling you, bet the under. You look know, at the stats too. Milwaukee's been really good when it comes to defensive play They're top 10 in the league. I would say take the under 218.5 and, and it's trending that direction too, considering in a lot of books it's 216.
2: So Philadelphia is still an Eastern Conference best 8-3 and three right now. But Embiid, as I said, out with COVID-19 as is Tobias Harris. Embiid expected to miss several games. They're home tonight and Thursday before heading out on a six-game trip. But how much trouble could the Sixers be in without Embiid for the foreseeable future?
3: They're in a lot of trouble. They have a lot of different issues with COVID, injuries, etc. cetera. Even seeing tonight that their guard, Seth Curry, is questionable. Philly is in trouble early on. Am I going to say this is going to impact them down the stretch of the season? No. Philadelphia has a long ways to go. It's only the month of November. The Sixers have one of the best home court advantages. They were the best home court team in basketball last year. I would be more concerned if this was happening to Philadelphia in March, April. It's not. It's so early in the season. What do we know about the NBA? No one cares about it until the fourth quarter, and no one cares about it until the playoffs. That's the take I'm taking.
2: Through (laughs) that. And let's just see if they can finally drop that extra Ben Simmons baggage here soon. See how that plays out. Hawks at the Jazz tonight, Utah laying eight, total 225 and a half. Jazz are seven and three, but dropped their last two games. Is this one worth laying the number in a bounce back spot after kind of an uncharacteristic loss to the Magic the other day?
3: It is. Utah has been struggling for sure. However, Atlanta is in a really tough spot. This is the second game of a road back-to-back. I've seen a stat where teams are on the second leg of a road back-to-back after losing that first leg. Those teams are one in 10 straight up and three and eight against the spread. Atlanta is also one in six on the road. It's been a tough stretch for Atlanta. The Jazz are number two in defending against the perimeter. I would not bet any kind of overs for the Atlanta Hawks star Trey Young. I would sit here and bet this Utah game, lay the points. They're looking to bounce back in this one. Also, love the prop for Donovan Mitchell, over 26 and a half points. Mitchell up against Atlanta. Atlanta has the fourth most points allowed to guards this year. And Mitchell has gone over this number in all three games where he's faced the team bottom 10 against guards.
2: Okay, look out for Donovan Mitchell. The Hawks, by the way, so they're on the second half of a back-to-back after a loss to the Warriors where we saw Steph Curry just go off, right? 50 points, 10 assists, 7 boards. He's now the favorite to win MVP before the season, 9-1, to now just plus 300. Do we think that this is, like, sustainable? Is this... Is this a type of production, maybe not 50 points
3: every night, but
2: is this a Steph Curry that we can see maintained throughout the course of a long
3: season? For Steph Curry, the point production isn't what scares me. It's just injuries. As long as Steph Curry could stay healthy, durability in the NBA has become the main focus of any MVP race. Look to last year. Last year, LeBron James was the favorite to win MVP until up to the All-Star break. He missed the game against the Kings. He ends up missing a few more games after that. LeBron James, no more MVP. Joel Embiid, almost favored to win the MVP, except he missed too many games. Who won it last year? It was Nikola Jokic who played the most games of any of those MVP candidates. Durability is going to be key for Steph Curry. That's why it scares me to go bet him. Of course, value is not there anymore. However, for Steph Curry, is it sustainable if he's healthy? Yes, Stormy, it is. He just has to stay healthy.
2: Just stay healthy, Steph, please. Okay, last game on the board tonight. Trailblazers at Clippers. Anything you like in this one?
3: I'm going to props in the game. The first thing I looked at because I was already on this whole who's Scores a lot of points against guards category. I saw that the Portland Trailblazers are also bottom 10 against guards. I'm going with the all-star for the Clippers, Paul George, over his points and over his three points, uh, three-point points, three shooting. I love this because his three-point prop is at three and a half. He's gone over this number in big spots. He's had four or five. Now, he hasn't done it the last couple of games. It's a big spot for him because he's going up against the Portland star, Damian Lillard. This is a game for Paul George to say, hey, I'm making a statement. I'm going to hit my threes tonight, and I'm going over my points prop at 30-plus.
2: Well, you made a statement on the show today, Ariel. Thank you so much for doing this. We appreciate you, and we'll see you again next week. That's going to do it. Coming back on My Guys on the Desert, Johnny Avello of DraftKings joins us and, like, love, hate, college basketball edition.
1: You're listening to My Guys of the Desert with Stormy Bonantoni and on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
2: If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local team, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of City casts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. Their City Cast now in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, L.A., and New York. Subscribe to your local City Cast wherever you get your podcast back here live from las vegas on my guys in the desert stormy Bonnet tony with you and let's get into a little like love hate college hoops national championship edition as we throw it up here on the screen some some national championship contenders that i like as well as some long shots so we've got Gonzaga, who is the favorite in my love category. And I like I said earlier, they're going to roll through their conference schedule. So I know they're the shortest odds. Not a lot of value. But they're a train that ain't slowing down. The Timmy and Holmgren frontcourt duo, formidable as they come. Um, they're the shortest odds for a reason. I really like them this year. I also like UCLA at 12-1. to 1. No team has a better mix of... Continuity, experience, talent, hard to enter a season in better position than them. Texas, 15-1, Chris Beard's first year there should be a powerhouse. despite a complete makeover from a year ago. This number's dropped because hype around the team has grown. Still love the play, though. Hard to take a brand-new roster full of transfers to the Final Four, but if anybody can figure it out, it's that guy. Purdue at 16-1, another number that's dropped. But Travion Williams decommitted from the draft, returned with eligibility. They return all their starters. Good chunk of bench players. Think they could be a fun team. In my like category, I like Duke. Hard to hold them out when you got Coach K. Final year, you never know what could happen. Same thing with Alabama. Dark horse, I think, that could potentially make the final four. I hate, oddly enough, Kansas and Kentucky. Um, but the Kansas, it's just... Yeah, they might have the best roster in the whole country this year. I just have so many questions about this NCAA investigation and what's going to happen there. Bill Self just signed this lifetime contract, but this investigation's going on for more than two years now, and nothing's happened. There were rumors this offseason that they could come close to a ruling facing five level one allegations, people. So I don't know what that could mean. That's the worst that you could get in college basketball, so just worth noting. Could they face a postseason ban? Could self face a suspension? We don't know. Joined now by Director of Sportsbook Operations over at DraftKings, Johnny Avello. Johnny, how excited are you? College Hoops is back.
1: Hi Storm, how you doing? Uh, I am doing well, but I, I missed what you asked me.
2: Oh no, I'm glad that you're doing well. I was just asking how excited you are that college basketball is getting back tonight. I'm very
1: excited about college basketball. What doesn't excite me about college basketball is having 50 games on a Tuesday. I mean, please, can we start off with six or seven, let the team get acclimated, and then move up from there? But you're going to throw this Saturday slate on us on Tuesday? Oh, my goodness.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you. There's a lot going on. But I'm kind of just interested to see how many betters actually get in on the action today. Like, when do you typically see the handle really start to increase? I know we've got some good games tonight that we'll talk about. But just specifically, like, are people getting in on a Tuesday to start things off?
1: Yes, they are. You know, the Sharps are definitely in action today because... This is the best time to bet college basketball if you've done your homework. We've done our homework, but with so many games to have to pay attention to, there's some weak spots out there. And so this is the time to jump on those weak spots. When the things tighten up is when the conference play starts. We'll get around, you know, the first of the year or so, and that's when the numbers tighten up, Uh, and it's not as easy then. But right now, I feel there's some great, great value.
2: All right, no question, and I'm sure a lot of bettors are going to be getting in on the Champions Classic tonight as well. You've got Michigan State, Kansas, Duke and Kentucky. Like there, there are some fun ones to get into today. Where are we seeing most of the money, just at least for these opening games on Tuesday?
1: Well, that's one because that's like one of the bigger games of the day, Kansas and Michigan State. Uh, we open that game Kansas 5. We're down to 4.5. The total has really plummeted, 144 down to 140.5. And then there's some other games are taking action where that's so, like Akron, Ohio State, that's 17 down to 16 and a half. People are uh, they're betting that game. You've got uh, got some other games on it that are kind of mixed teams, some good teams against some weaker teams. You've got Memphis in action tonight where we've got a lot of money on that team in a future book. Uh, 28 and a half point favorite tonight. They've been betting them a little bit also.
2: All right. Well, you mentioned the future book and like leading into our introduction to you. We were talking through some of the potential long shots and contenders for the national championship this year. Which teams are getting the most money? Maybe the long shots that are getting some love from the book's perspective.
1: Uh, Memphis is taking quite a bit of money as well as Texas. Uh, Michigan's another. The Zags who are a short number. And then up on the upper side You've get teams like Indiana uh who are a big number taking a good piece of uh not, you know it doesn't take much to to kind of uh make your exposure longer um Villanova Villanova always takes money because of where they are and you know us being in that jurisdiction so, it's spread out, but the, most of the money in the, those top three I mentioned is Memphis, Texas, and, uh, and Michigan.
2: I got to tell you, Texas' new head coach, Chris Beard, I just have so much hostility for this man because I'm a running Rebels fan, and <laughs> he was their coach for all of 10 minutes before he goes to Texas Tech, and then, hey, I'm going to lead you guys to a national championship appearance two years later. It's fine. I hate everything, Johnny. I hate everything, but it's okay. Well,
1: <laughs> any improvement that, te- you know, Texas – should always be in the top 10 every single year. And the reason they should be is because they've just got so much talent in that area. Uh, That talent goes to other places, and maybe they can keep them home if they can start putting together, uh, you know, keep the program up in the top 10 every year.
2: Yeah, no question they should be. Let's do a quick transition, though, from college hoops to college football because the second batch of the college football playoff rankings come out tonight. You guys have Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State and Oklahoma as the teams with the four best odds to win the title right now. I know when we talked last week you said that the college football playoff rankings don't have any impact on your guys' numbers, but but just curious like if one of them is not in the top 4 tonight, is does anything get tweaked just because of the make miss the playoff situation or not really?
1: No, it's not it's not going to change a thing. Um uh, you know, all those teams won last week. Alabama wasn't, wasn't impressive, but they'd still won. Uh, you know, Cincinnati hasn't been impressive, but they still won.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So there really can't be many changes there, in the, you know, in that top six or so. So the the, the, the committee's not going to influence us one bit.
2: There's not a ton of love for Oregon at 25-1 to 1 in the national title odds. Is that just because, like, it's, it's less of a win and you're in and more of a lose and you're out type of a situation for Oregon?
1: Yeah, you know, let's look at those teams. We think Georgia will be in. Alabama probably gets in as long as they don't get another loss. Ohio State's playing better. Um, you know, Oklahoma needs to run the table. Since he could, you know, weak schedule or team. So Oregon, one loss, and, and that loss is very possible, uh, you know, they'll be bounced too. So, yeah, I, you know, when I did some matchups, I matched up all these teams up against one another. Uh, Cincinnati would be a favorite over Oregon. Um, you know, Cincinnati would be a dog to mostly every other team. Against Oklahoma, it would be close. So, you know, that's why they're 25 to 1. Even if they did get their Oregon, they'd still have to knock off two teams as dogs.
2: Yeah. And I mean,. There hasn't been a two-loss team that made the college football playoff, let alone one from the Pac-12. So I definitely understand the logic there. What do you think of Alabama this past week, though, against LSU? Did your view of them change at all or not really? Because, I mean, they still got the pieces.
1: Well, they did get the W, but they they certainly didn't look good. And the line went way up. The line elevated to about 29, I think, or so. Uh, So hey, you know what, Alabama will show up when they need to show up, but are they as good an Alabama team as some of the past teams? They're probably not. So, uh, you know, they're going to be in a hunt. Um, what do I think of them? I think they're good. I think they're well coached. Uh, but obviously there's there's a team standing in their way this year.
2: Yeah, no question. The Georgia Bulldogs are a tough task for anybody this year. So many dogs won in the NFL. So I know the books, you guys are all doing your happy dances do you foresee though that betters might get more in on underdogs this week, based on the last couple of weeks, or not so much? What you thinking?
1: I don't know. I mean, if you're a chalk better, you're a chalk better. <laughs> uh, you know, what do you do? You, you just come off a, a week where you know the dogs were invincible. And last couple of weeks they have uh, done well. Now all of a sudden you're going to jump on the dog? I don't think so. You know, if you're if you're that type of a player where you're betting favorites or underdogs, you're playing the, well, it happened this week, so it'll go the other way this week. That's a terrible way to handicap Stormy. (laughs) Uh, If you're playing that game, you're going to lose money.
2: Don't even bother. Well, hey, which week 10 games are getting the most action as we wrap things up here? A
1: couple of games getting a little bit of action. The Patriots-Brown game, uh, we open at three. We're down to one and a half. Bunch of Browns money so far. Uh, there will be Patriots money, certainly, as we get closer to the weekend. But that is a great betting morning game. Um, in the afternoon, we've got the Packers and the Seahawks. Wilson looks like he may be coming back. We'll see. The betters think so. Game went from five down to three and a half. Um, that's going to be one of the bigger betting games of the of the, uh, morning. And then the nightcap is great with the Chiefs and our Raiders. So looking forward to that one also.
2: Good stuff, as always, Johnny. Appreciate you.
1: Okay. Thanks, Thorne.
2: That's once again Johnny Avella, director of sports book operations for DraftKings. When we come back, hidden gems, and Adam Kramer joins the show. We're talking college football.
1: You're listening to My Guys of the Desert with Stormy, Bon and Tony on VSIN, the sports betting network.
2: Download the free OddsTrader.com app to compare betting odds from licensed sportsbooks, access injury reports, in-game action, and much more. When you go to OddsTrader.com, Stormy Bond and Tony with you here on My Guys the Desert, live from Las Vegas at Circus Sportsbook. Time for some hidden gems in college football. Last week, we gave you a couple under-the-radar games. The UNLV Moneyline play cash and UNC quank a half a point away from getting the cover. But this week, we're sticking to the Pac-12. I got a couple games that intrigue me here and maybe aren't the sexiest of matchups. Utah at Arizona, I love the over 55 here. Open 57 and a half, went down after Arizona's wonky, wonky 10-3 game against Cal. Utes are 7-2 to the over this year, averaging 41 and a half points themselves the last five games. The offense is clicking at a significantly higher rate since making the transition to Cam Rising at quarterback. This run game has also been way more effective behind Tavion Thomas. The last two games combined, gone over 350 yards and eight touchdowns from this kid ball security was an inch issue for him early on in the season he's got it cleaned up and their offense has been outstanding as long as Arizona can just get on the board they've averaged I want to say 16 points per game so far this year so that number should hit Utes defense was stellar last week they only allowed seven points but on the year outside of that game allowing 25 per game so I like the over ah as I hit the microphone other one I like USC at Cal laying the one and a half with the Trojans COVID impact with Cal has been severe they had 24 players last week a number of assistant coaches test positive and because of Pac-12 rules if somebody tests positive they have to isolate for 10 days regardless of their vaccination status so it's not like the NFL where you can test out of the protocol in a 24-hour period so players testing positive Wednesday Thursday and Friday of last week they're not going to be able to practice all week, we're not sure who's going to be available on Saturday yet, but clearly will have an impact, especially since their quarterback Chase Garbers was one of them. Big key for USC struggled mightily last week. Turnovers, clearing up the turnovers, you should be able to cover the number no problem. Time to bring in Vison Zone Adam Kramer, also of Bleacher Report and the No Punts Allowed podcast. Follow Matt Kegs and Eggs on Twitter. Adam, it's only week two of the College Football Playoff rankings coming out tonight, but. We already know they're going to get blown up. Other than that, how are you?
0: I'm good. I'm going to try not to get mad about these. I tried last week not to get mad. I got mad. It's, I can't help it. It's just, it, it gets a little ridiculous. Ranked UTSA, I think they will be tonight, just saying. Um, but I'm very interested to see where Cincinnati is too. Will they fall a little bit further? I mean, it's been, you know, I think Cincinnati is just trolling everybody who's advocated for a group of five to make the playoff at this point with the last couple of weeks. But yeah, I'm not going to get angry. I'm going to try to approach this with, with a fresh bit of optimism heading into the next rankings.
2: Yeah. There's no way Cincinnati should be struggling back to back weeks against such bad teams the way that they have, but it is what it is. Hopefully they get a bounce back this week. It's like another huge spread for them. I don't know if they yep. can cover it this week, but TBD anyways, though Georgia has been Georgia Alabama had a rough game. They didn't look like the number two team in the country, but I'm sure they'll be there again. Michigan State gets upset by Purdue. ACC's chances are gone. It's just it's just a whole thing. But For you right now, who would you say would be your top four in, top two out?
0: Well, Georgia is locked in, of course. And so it's, it's an interesting conversation about the right now, and I actually wrote about this over at Bleacher Report, but I'd have certainly Georgia as the certified number one team, right? And then at that point, I think it's kind of a big mess, but the Oregon, um, I think it's probably in at this point, Ohio State is probably in, and are these two just gonna ride that wave of, of, of that one game, because it seems like a fixation with the committee that they like these big games, these out-of-conference games, and they're going to hold them up. I obviously would still have Alabama in my top four. I think Coach o did his what he does when he's an interim coach or about to be fired coach and sound a magic formula, but that offensive line has worried, so Alabama is definitely very invincible, so that would be my top four with Cincinnati hovering right around there in Oklahoma, not necessarily far behind a lot. Spoiler alert, I think I think Oklahoma might have some problems this week. That is not a perfect team. If they win out, they're probably in. But they got a really interesting stretch of games coming up.
2: Well, let's get into that game then because, I mean, there's a lot of potential ranked-on-ranked crime this upcoming weekend. Like, a lot of top 25 teams playing against each other. Oklahoma, number four against number 18. Baylor, one of them. Baylor getting six and a half at home after that bizarre bizarre loss to TCU last week fresh off firing their coach so what are you thinking about with this Oklahoma Baylor game
0: look Oklahoma has been I can't even say Jekyll and Hyde it's been largely just Hyde there's been performances should they drop 50 points on TCU but the Kansas game is like burned into my my mind here The, the Texas game was close that was a good comeback wasn't great against Kansas State. wasn't great against West Virginia, who might not be any good. Caleb Williams is fun, and he's capable. But I, I really think this is a dramatic step up in competition at Baylor. I mean, it's like a horse race, and, and I'm coming off the Breeders' Cup. It did not do particularly well at the Breeders' Cup. But it's almost like one of those races where just the horse did not fire. Feels like what happened to Baylor. You, you fired the coach on the other side. They found lightning in a bottle. I'm going to assume Baylor at home is going to be a lot better, and, and while I do love to watch Caleb Williams play, and I think he's been pretty electric, I think Baylor's been a better team outside of that recent result. The line movement early on has been interesting towards Baylor's favor it would not shock me at all to see Baylor win this game.
2: Yeah, we do see that. I know I said six and a half. We see it at five and a half now. Baylor, by the way, perfect against the spread at home. So I can see why you like them there. Another top 25, actually, it's called top 12 matchup. Number 11, Texas A&M and 12 Ole Miss. A&M favored by one. They're going at it this week. So the books think it's a pretty evenly matched game. Do you as well?
0: I do. I think we're going to look at a and defense is amazing, right? We, we talk a lot about Georgia. Analytically, uh, Texas A&M is is right, you know, right behind. This is a hugely important game. I think Ole Miss can test that group, and and look, the reality is this: I'm not worried about A&M's defense. The offense has to manufacture more. There's a bit of grind against uh, Auburn. I don't think you can do that against Ole Miss, and and yet Matt Corral, who since the knee issues has not been as explosive as we would like to see either. When you look really after the Arkansas game. It's been fine, but it can be better. So if Matt Crow is healthy, I think he could really push this group. Actually, with lean Ole Miss in this spot, I think it's a really good spot for them. And, again, I, you know, when I look at that A&M defense, I think it's going to just be pushing away. It really hasn't been pushed since Alabama. We saw how Alabama obviously have some success in that game.
2: Yeah, the Rebels have covered three of their last four games. It's interesting, though, looking at the thing, because you got a who's won and covered there for <laughs> straight two. So yeah. it's tough to follow trends when they're all trending in opposite directions. But sometimes it is what it is. Well, the number one team in the country, Georgia Bulldogs, headed to Rocky Top at Tennessee. And at times, it has been a little bit rocky for the Vols. Um, but they're fresh off upsetting number 18 team in the country in the Kentucky Wildcats. So what are you thinking about? I don't think anybody's calling for the upset here, but what do you think about the level of competition with a big spread? Could Tennessee potentially cover?
0: Look, Tennessee fans have a fun team for the first time in a long time. They move fast, and I think they have a chance to at least test this Georgia defense in a way that it really hasn't been tested for in a while, right? We thought it was going to be Florida. It wasn't the case in fact, Florida's just been a tailspin ever since. So, so I think that with speed and pace and everything that Tennessee wants to do, it could, it could make it at least difficult on them. I am curious to see what a team, and maybe it's a team like Tennessee, although I don't think they have a talent. We know that Georgia offense has come out a little bit slow, right? It seems to pick things up, it, this feels like a very much like an old pre Lane Kiffin Alabama team, doesn't it? Like that meat grinder, boa constrictor, we're just going to squeeze the life out of you and you're going to beat you 30 to 40 to seven and, that, and that's going to be it. So I wonder if a team can test that. Is it Alabama? Who will it be? I don't think it's going to be Tennessee, but I do like a lot of the pieces on that Tennessee offense, I at least think they could score multiple touchdowns, which would be unusual against the Georgia defense. It's been good. it's been historic, quite frankly, to this point in the year.
2: Yeah, the most points they've allowed in a single game has been 13. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Okay, from the SEC to the ACC, Wake Forest taken on NC State. Deeks, of course, lost to UNC last week, a half a point short of getting the covers. Two and a half point dogs. Offense was great. Defense was optional, it appeared. So do, does the defense show up at all, or is this going to be another shootout?
0: I think it's going to be another shootout. Now, this total's come down a little bit, and I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes. I'm inclined to just take the over. I, I love watching this wake offense. I mean, I really do. The way it moves, it almost though moves so fast that I think it's put the defense in a really compromising spot, and that's what we saw against North Carolina. Uh, which didn't play a Lake of defense either. So you know, North Carolina State is probably the more complete team. It, it's certainly less explosive on the offensive side, although I think it has a pretty good offense. I think this could be back-to-back losses for Wake. As much as I love watching Wake operate, I wonder also with a loss like that, it's like a jostle to the system. They flirted with it earlier in the year. You lose what is, I'd say, a, a bit of a heartbreaker, quite honestly, considering how good things have been. The flow is disrupted. I lean NC State in this game.
2: Really great stuff, as always, Adam. Thank you for doing this. Appreciate you.
0: All right. Sounds good. Talk to you next week.
2: That's Adam Kramer. Give him a follow at Kegs And Eggs and check out his weekly article, A Better's Guide to College Football, Week 11 Edition, right now on vsun.com. Go to vsun.com slash subscribe. That's a wrap for today. Big shout out to our girl, Stephanie Kamershack, for making this whole thing go tomorrow. Brent Musburger, the godfather, on for the whole hour. You won't want to miss it. Rush Hour, coming up next.